Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Phase Zero, episode 15. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, and the Fantastic Four are back. Ladies and gents, Jenna is here. Hey, guys. Aaron is here. Hey, y'all. Jamie is here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of Phase Zero. On today's show, we actually have so much Marvel news I'm excited to talk about a lot of it because last week we were talking about a Spider-Man No <laughs> Home t-shirt. Like that was all we had last week. This week we have a lot. And we also have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode six, the season finale, maybe the series finale. Who knows? That we're going to dissect, but the spoilers are saved for the end of the show. So you're safe for now if you've made it to noon Eastern time without watching the episode. What, do you have a job? What? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so we're going to save all the spoiler discussion for the second half of the show. Seven weeks till Loki. Let the countdown begin. But let's start with some news. First of all, Shang-Chi trailer finally came out this week. I'm hyped for this movie. I was hyped for this movie before the trailer. I am super hyped now. I thought the trailer was fantastic. Simu Liu looks awesome in this part. Everybody in the movie looks great. I am kind of curious about like the water power of it all. Because there was like that 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 slow mo shot where he, the water's going by, and then there was also a pop figure that came out that oh, yeah. Shang Chi is kicking and he's using water to to amplify that kick. I don't know. I thought it looked really good. Anybody have thoughts on this one? I loved the trailer. Like I I just thought it was really kind of unexpected in a way that was really cool. I also really like how they turned the ten rings into bracelets because that seems so much easier, just from like a stunt standpoint, and like looks way cooler in action than I feel like ten actual rings would. So like I am just I don't I'm not intimately familiar with like the Shang Chi corner of the Marvel universe, but I'm just so excited to see what they're doing here because that trailer is just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that that change because, uh, first of all, it would be one thing to have somebody wielding a bunch of powers on their hands again. It would be too reminiscent of Infinity Stones. And also, I mean, the Mandarin is such an awesome villain. The Ten Rings, we're finally getting it. This is something that we we were teased with in the MCU previously <laughs> uh, and under-delivered, if you ask me. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I love Iron Man 3 so much. <laughs> I'm an actor. I'm an actor. It's a f- <laughs> no, bro. I love it. Wow. It's better than Ralph Boner, in my opinion. What isn't? What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that trailer was awesome. I can't. And it was just a teaser trailer. It didn't really give us anything from the story. It just showed us the fact that there's awesome kung fu. Samuli is going to kick ass, and there's a giant lion. 
Like, what else do you need? Anyway, next up, Secret Invasion added two new cast members. Look at Jamie. She's excited. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Coleman, Queen Elizabeth joined the show first. Jamie, come on. Oh my God. I love Olivia Coleman so much. Like this is this is Catherine Hahn level. This might be beyond Catherine Hahn level if I'm <laughs> like if I'm speaking crazy talk. I I have a, the favorite tattoo. That her winning the Oscar was like the greatest moment of my life. And the fact that she it's like it's like Marvel is like, what can we do today to make Jamie Jarek as happy as possible? Let's put Olivia Coleman in Marvel. I know, movie. I was gonna say the one-two punch of like Julia Louis Dreyfus and Olivia Coleman. I was like, Jamie has to just be dead right now. Like this I is just perfectly catered to you. I um our our coworker Charlie is the one who broke the news to me and I woke up uh uh to to his Slack message and it was truly like this is the best day of my life. Um I have no theories. I don't know who, like about anything about I just know that Olivia Coleman is going to be my favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe no matter what. I love that. I love that. That's a true stand right there. Take notes, stands. That's a true stand. Boom. Uh we also I mean not the only exciting casting for Secret Invasion. Amelia Clark, the mother of dragons, is also joining Secret Invasion, which I think is awesome. Jenna, what do you think of this? I, I love that casting so much. It's really funny because like I know people have been speculating, like, oh, could could either Olivia Coleman or Olivia Clark be like Queen Varenki from the Secret Invasion comic storyline? Because it's like they both technically did play queens in other things. So that could be that kind of like self-aware casting that Marvel does sometimes. But like as soon as I saw that Olivia Clark joined, part of me selfishly was just like, can she just play Abigail Brand? Because she is a sword agent, she's a half mutant, she has like ties to the X-Men, and she is just the coolest character that to come out of like the sword corner of the Marvel universe. And I'm like, I just need Olivia or um, Amelia Clark with like short green hair, just kicking ass as like a sword agent. Like I need that to happen. So it, whatever she ends up playing, I'm going to be happy. But part of me selfishly is just like, please be Abigail Brand. I really want you to be Abigail Brand. So. Yeah, I would love to see that. I think uh, Amelia as Abigail Brand and Olivia as the Scroll Queen would, would work. It would work really well. And then we get to keep Amelia Clark for a long time. And who knows what happens to the Scroll Queen. I'm sorry, Jamie. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you stand, you stand villains. That's okay. That's okay. We, we, allow, we love that. We love that for you. Uh, Russell Crowe got on Kevin Feige's hit list this week. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, he was on a radio show. I think it's called like Joy 94.6. I'm sorry if I got the number of your station wrong. You're all the way in Australia. We don't, we don't get reception of your channel. I'm so sorry. Uh, but the, 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 he said on a, on a, on a radio show that he is playing Zeus. He said, on, he's taking, he's riding his bike over to the set and he's Zeusing for the last time. And that's a wrap for Russell Crowe as Zeus. It might be a wrap for Russell Crowe on life for leaking this. Uh, you know what happens to people who talk too much for Marvel. So that's cool. I mean, anybody think, how do you guys think Zeus is going to fit into Thor love and thunder? Well, Get butchered. The way, yeah, the way I see it is like you can't have Gore the God Butcher without having him butcher some gods. So it's like he he seems to me like a, a character who can kind of just be a red shirt and like he'll he'll play a part in the movie and then just be killed off in the worst possible way. But it still is just really cool of like what are the ramifications of introducing Zeus into the Marvel universe? Because I know a lot of people are really eager to see like who could Hercules be in the MCU because obviously he would be kind of a natural conclusion to that. So I'm just really hyped that we're kind of dealing with that corner of the universe because it's something that it seems perfectly suited for Taika Waititi considering how just weird it gets in the comics. Yeah, I can't. I can't. It's amazing that this stuff is coming out. Still, the fact that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had nothing come out. 
I like mm-hmm. last week, I think Jamie wrote this story. So it might not have been Jamie. Somebody wrote the story that the set photos popped up from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And they were just like a field. <laughs> like that was the whole article on the site. It was just a field. And I was that like, wasn't me. This, is, really funny. <laughs> this is the closest we're getting to anything from this movie. Uh, and I got respect for that. Benny, Benny Cumberbatch, uh, Benadryl Cucumber. <laughs> is uh, keeping it keeping it tight over there. Uh, all right, uh, you know Russell Crowe not at the top of Kevin Feige's hit list this week though. He's not number one on the list. You know who's number one? Alfred Molina managed to outdo Russell Crowe revealing his character. So Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock in the original Spider-Man trilogy, did an interview where he said literally, I think everything he wasn't supposed to say. Uh, and I consider this kind of spoilery. So maybe. If I don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because it's out there. But I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. We know everything else about this movie at this point, so you know, what's why not? But uh, he said Spider-Man No Way Home is picking up his Doc Ock right where Spider-Man Two left him off. So I don't know. Does that mean like we're gonna find him at the bottom of a river with an energy source? Personally, I think that means that energy source transported him to another universe because it works for Electro too. That's how both those characters went out. Uh, and he also said he was they used de-aging technology on him. What? What? <laughs> Bro, Kevin Feige's gonna kill you. <laughs> if Alfred Molina and Russell Crowe go missing this week, you know why. You know what happened. Aaron, what do you think of this? Are you excited to get Doc Ock right where he left off, or were you hoping for a fresh take? What do you think? I'm so confused. It's like, <laughs> I think you, you said on Twitter, we know everything about this movie, but we can't because there has to be some sort of curveball, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, you just you just get him out of the, you just fish him <laughs> out of the Hudson, and, and he just, you know, Alpha Molina circa the mid aughts, de aged because no one can possibly die. The funniest thing is that we still don't know what Electro, it, all the stuff is a bit about. Uh, Doc Ock, nothing say about Electro. We no one said anything about uh, what's old boy's name? Golly, I can't believe I'm spacing this boy's name. They're gonna make fun of me in the comments. <laughs> Andy no oh, one said yeah. anything about him at all. All Molina's just like, here's some stuff. Here's all the entire plot of the movie. Here you go. Here we go. Stop. And and I just, it's so crazy that these older actors. I think Jim said it in the comments. They just don't care. They're like, They're Kevin like, Feige, yeah. I welcome death. <laughs> yeah. what, what can Kevin Feige do to Russell Crowe and Alfred Molina? Nothing. I don't know. I, find, like, I found it so funny when that article went live on like Friday afternoon because we had spent our whole news segment that week being like, yeah, you know, there's a t-shirt with a logo. Yeah, you know, She-Hulk has a working title. And it's like, oh, here's Alfred Molina with the entire plot of the movie, basically. It was like, oh my gosh, where was this like 12 hours before? I'm telling you, I, I honestly wish we knew less about Spider-Man No Way Home. Home. because could you imagine going into this movie or even if a trailer dropped and revealed some of this stuff and that's how we found out it's kind of a bummer that we know so much but that's the world we live in now and it's crazy i mean it, it's weird because I, I do wonder like the fact that this is technically the sony movie is that the reason it's not being the ship isn't being run as tightly is it like a different nda i don't know but i think kevin feige uh <laughs> Is sending is sending somebody to some, some knocking on some doors uh, real soon here. I, I, I'm also when we if we ever get Kevin Feige on here for like an, an actual extended interview, which is a goal of mine to have him for more than five minutes. I want to ask what what happens? What do you do <laughs> when somebody spoils something? Like 
do you, it, it, I'm genuinely curious. Like, is it a fine, like an NBA player who says something bad at a press conference or something? Or is it like, like, like what happens? Do you, do you threaten their family? I don't know. Uh, but the, Sony and Disney, speaking of the difference between Sony and Disney, they made a big deal this week. Uh, all 2022 through 2026 movies from Sony can go on Disney streaming services. They're, they're linear broadcast networks like ABC and FX. And this means that Spider-Man movies, not No Way Home, because that's a 2021 movie, but beyond that, so Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Morbius, everything can go to Disney Plus or Hulu. They haven't been clear about where this stuff is going and when it's going to get there. It can start in June. This also includes like Jumanji, Hotel Transylvania. I'm pretty sure it's the whole Sony library has been licensed to Disney. So Sony just cashed two fat checks, fat, fat, fat checks from (laughs) Netflix and Disney. So Sony just single-handed, like Netflix and Disney just single-handedly kept Sony in business. But I think this is a sign that Sony and Disney have more of a relationship than we may have thought back when they were like, yeah, we're not playing with Spider-Man together anymore. We're taking our ball and going home. Like, I think there's more there. I think when Tom Holland did that interview a while ago where he was like, they've worked it out. This won't be an issue again. I think he was telling the truth. I think that, like, I think that this is something that's going to last. That's that's the deal. That's it. I don't know. Homecoming, far from home, headed to Netflix. Disney Plus, I think, wasn't entirely clear. Yeah, that's that's that news. Uh, that's all I have to say about it. Does anybody have it's anything so on wi- that? It's just wild how it keeps growing. I remember when the Civil War announcement, when we saw Spider-Man, and it was like the craziest, most unbelievable thing. We couldn't believe Marvel Studios was like was getting or the MCU was getting Spider-Man and now it's just, now it's, we have X-Men and it's, it's crazy that how business works. <laughs> business. Money talks. Mm-hmm. Money talks. I'll tell you what. I mean, so, Disney basically gave them a billion dollar movie by doing Spider-Man Far From Home as an epilogue to Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love Spider-Man Far From Home, but Spider-Man Far From Home would not have made that much money if it wasn't on the heels of Avengers Endgame. They're, like, that's just a momentum. Like, And any movie that followed Avengers Endgame was going to get bolstered by the fact that it followed the biggest movie of all time. Maybe it would have been a billion-dollar movie. I don't know. But it certainly benefited from uh, from that. But it, anyway, I'm glad that they're playing nice. More Tom Holland, more Spider-Man, more Venom. I don't know. Will Venom be part of the MCU? I don't think so. But we'll see. I think it'll be part of the multiverse, probably. Uh, Hawkeye wrapped production. Jeremy Renner uh, threatened us with more Clint Barton <laughs> <laughs> on his Instagram story. Yo, okay, listen. We lost Tony Stark, Natasha Romanoff, and Steve Rogers, but Hawkeye is going to be a long legacy here. Excuse me, beyond the OG. I don't mind Clint Barton, but I, I'm just, I'm just trying to be funny. Uh, I'm sorry to anybody. I'm sorry to any of the huge Hawkeye fans. Like whatever. I'm more excited for Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop. I think that's uh, Jamie, the case for everybody on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, what, Jamie, what are you what are you thinking about the Hawkeye series? I, I mean, I'm ex- yeah. Oh, Jamie, you go first. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm personally like I'm just excited to see what the Hawkeye series does for Clint's characterization because I feel like in the MCU we have gotten so little of like who he actually is in the comics, and I feel like there is a way to keep him going and keep him on like another team or just as like an occasional member of the Avengers if he kind of has more of that kind of disaster comic book personality of his. And so if we get that in Hawkeye, and then it sets up him being on something later on, I'm all for it. But like. Clint as he is right now, I completely agree of like, I don't need a whole lot of him, but I'm kind of hopeful that we can hopefully get there. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, 
I, I did care more about Wanda and Sam than I did than I do about Clint Barton before their shows. Mm-hmm. But I will say that that WandaVision and the Falcon of the Winter Soldier both really made me care about characters more than I ever thought I would. Like I, I was a Sam Wilson fan. I was a Bucky Barnes fan, a Wanda fan, a Vision fan. And I would put all I would say I liked all four of them more than I've really ever been invested in Hawkeye, which isn't like that's just the on, on the writers. They never really gave him a huge story. They kind of retired him and then pulled him out. I don't know. Uh, but these shows have really made you care about the characters a lot more because they, the movies didn't give them the time. So maybe that's what Hawkeye will do. But I'm more I, I want Kate Bishop more than I want Clint Barton. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is done. The script is done. It's going to film with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. James Gunn said on Twitter, "It is MCU canon. It takes place after Thor: Love and Thunder, before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And he's also filming. Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind roller coaster footage. All of this during Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 production. Uh, so, dude, James Gunn, first of all, <laughs> does the dude sleep? The no. Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, Guardians Volume 3, Holiday Special, and Cosmic Rewind, and who knows what else. He's already teasing more DC work. So, I, listen, I can't wait for Volume 3. I think the Holiday Special is going to be ridiculous. James Gunn, if you're listening, make me an alien and kill me in it. Please, <laughs> I'll do anything. Uh, that's cool. I mean, he also, I'm kind of worried. He said that he likes the star Wars holiday special. Aaron thoughts on thoughts on a, on an MCU canon holiday special. It should be, it should be really interesting. I think it'll be really, uh, really, really, uh, showcase for the MCU to do something different, right? Like the big swings that have really paid off so far have been like very weird, different things that we haven't gotten out of the movies. Right. So like WandaVision, like the Mandalorian, at least the first season, like felt like super different from some of the other Star Wars stuff that had come out. So going into a different genre usually works out on these productions. So I'm I'm interested to see what it is. Also, I don't understand. Like it's after it's after Love and Thunder, but it's before Guardians Volume Three. How in the world do you <laughs> navigate that? You know, we're talking about like the Thor production springing leaks and Spider-Man springing leaks. How are you going to protect the, the what's going to happen for volume three and what it obviously has to like, he has to get back with like, there's no Thor in the holiday special. Is there? I, I mean, I, I they, they left earth together. Hmm. I'm get. I think the guardians are only going to be in the very beginning of Thor love and thunder. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very him off basically of like, we're dropping you off at camp. <laughs> we're going to come back and hang out later, but like you just go do your own thing. Yeah, Thor's going to be like, Merry Christmas, Sweet Rabbit. And then that's where the <laughs> holiday special picks up right there. And that's it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is cool. I mean, it's like, you know, we're not, it's not like if you look at the MCU phase four schedule, it's put a star next to the holiday special as your most anticipated. But oh. I mean, I'm certainly going to watch it. I trust James Gunn. I love Guardians one and two. I, I love both of those movies. I like the first one more. But I love the second one, and I know maybe I'm a little bit higher on that than some people. But uh, I don't know. I haven't seen James Gunn miss with the Guardians yet, so I feel like I you you know you use the Star Wars Holiday Special as like a negative, but I think James Gunn taking that as inspiration because I mean it's the Holiday Special Star Wars Holiday Special is horrible, but it's also a delightful, fun, classic watch. Exactly, and I think that James Gunn's going to take that um, idea and elevate it and make it and make it good while also making it funny. And we're, I mean, I think we're going to get crazy cameos. Uh, I just, I'm the holiday special, I think is going to be a a real gem in the MCO. 
If it's anything like that David Hasselhoff music video that they did for volume two, yes. where it's like everyone in disco outfits just absolutely committing to the most ridiculous thing ever. Like if it's just an hour long version of that, I'm going to be so happy, honestly. <laughs> I, I, it might be. So um, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys are more excited for the holiday special than I am. Uh, so that's cool. That's cool. All right. We are going to take a Schwan minute break here. And when we come back, it is full spoilers for the Falcon of the Winter Soldier season one, maybe series finale. We're talking about all of it in full spoilers. You've been warned, people. This is a live show on Twitch. So if it's a podcast, just pause, go watch the show, send it to your friends and come back. All right. See you in 60 seconds. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the podcast. That was a quick break, huh? And it is time for full spoilers for the Falcon of the Winter Soldier season finale. We're going to go around with our reactions. I'm going to start us off here. Full spoilers, everybody. Falcon and Winter Soldier, if you haven't watched it, this is your chance. Okay. I thought the episode was very good. I think, like WandaVision before it, the series was better than the finale. And to me, uh, episode five is where the show peaked for me. Episode six had a lot of really strong moments, but ultimately felt like almost an epilogue where it kind of just really quickly tied everything up after episode five. I was more invested in Sam and Bucky versus John Walker than I was against Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. And so the John Walker of this episode was kind of weird to me. Uh, and I, I wasn't super invested in Carly. And I was kind of, I, I wasn't super satisfied with her ending, but we got the suit. That was amazing. Great writing. Sam's speeches were fantastic. Uh, I thought the episode was, was very good. Uh, and the series as a whole was very great. So that's my thoughts. Jenna, what did you think of the episode? I like completely agree with you. I, I liked this episode a lot. It was not a perfect episode. I feel like because it this show was a little more ambitious and wide-ranging than WandaVision, it feels like the finale kind of had too many plot threads to wrap up that it didn't necessarily wrap up in the way that I would have wanted. Like WandaVision to me felt like more of a complete finale because it was so self-contained. But like there was so much of this episode that I genuinely enjoyed. Um, I like I was talking to my boyfriend about it and we kind of agreed that this feels more like the kind 
kind of third chapter of the Captain America trilogy than Civil War did. Because Civil War, like, yes, yeah, Steve was in it and he was a huge part in it, but it didn't really get to the root of what Captain America means in the Marvel Universe, whereas this show really, really kind of celebrated the legacy of what that mantle means. So I, I liked the episode. I do have some qualms with it, which we'll get into, but, like, I liked it. Yeah, I'm with you. Aaron, thoughts? Woo. What a what a what a ride, man! I thought like you know we all left episode five going, "What's in the what's in the suitcase?" And you're not gonna see it folded in the suitcase. You are gonna see it in action on the rack. Like it was beautiful. The intro of him throwing the shield through and rolling in and being like, "I'm Captain America," is like wow. I could not have asked for more. I will say it is. It does feel like they were galloping through stuff. Like because of the pacing, you really had to get through stuff. So we felt like we we're checking things off the boxes. We're just going, all right, Bat Rock. We did. We did the rematch. Okay, we did the other stuff. Oh, Bucky. Here's Carly. Here's a weird John Walker slight redemption for some reason. All sort of going really, really fast. So it was. It was really fun. I feel like the stuff with. Bucky and Sam's personal life fared a lot better than some of the other stuff they were trying to do. Uh, you know, in case you forgot, Anthony Mackie is a Broadway class actor <laughs> delivering these speeches. In case y'all forgot, I'm excited to see what's next. But yeah, I think episode five might have been a little bit stronger for me. Jamie, take us through um, your thoughts. My favorite episode is definitely still episode three. That was the that was my top point. Um, but I did really enjoy the finale. There were a lot of fun moments, a lot of good action. Um, I love the helicopter stuff. I like was really invested in Helicopter Lady, who took over the helicopter. I don't know why I was just like really feeling her. Um, there, uh, I actually, you know, I, I kind of liked the uh, the the Walker twist of it all. Like the way that the last episode ended, we really thought he was he snapped and he was about to go fight. Um, Sam and Bucky and I kind of like that he helped them and now it's like what's next for him um, I'm not a fan of John Walker but I like the idea that maybe one day I could be um, I think that's interesting um, I, I do you know the way everything wrapped up I was excited to see the masks come back um, the Winter Soldier Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. mask Sharon had on I, I was like yeah I know that mask um, I have a lot of Sharon Carter opinions that I'm sure we will get to later um, but uh, my favorite was that Julie Weidreifus came back. I didn't know if she would, and I was really excited about that. So overall, I wish there had been a second post credit scene. Um, and, oh, here's my biggest thing. Um, it was like such a big, powerful moment that they changed the title to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but I really stand by that it should have been Captain America and the White Wolf, um, because I, I don't think that Bucky wants to be the Winter Soldier anymore, and I think it would have been a cool, full circle, like, changing moment, but I guess not. Yeah, maybe maybe Bucky's story is still going to get deeper, and then they'll cha officially change his name. Who knows? I uh, like I, the I idea of him like reclaiming what the Winter Soldier means. Like, I like the idea of him using it in a more heroic context because, like, obviously he's used it to like fight Thanos and deal with all of these kind of more Avengers level threats. But I like the idea of him kind of using the title not in a bad way. So, in that logic, I like that he's still called the Winter Soldier. Like he can kind okay. of take ownership over it and make yeah. it a, a positive. Yeah. I, I just like, why do they, why, then why give him the wolf name? I guess. Uh, well, also, as we said earlier in the show, money talks and the winter soldier sells more <laughs> tickets than Bucky Barnes or the white wolf. If we're being yeah. honest, that's fair. But, but also now we have captain America in the title. Uh, so that elevates that as well. That's, that's but. also true. That's also true. 
But the best Marvel movie of them all, and this is kind of the universal fact like that people just accept, whether it's your favorite, you also kind of accept that Captain America the Winter Soldier is just the best movie. It's true. Yes. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here for no good reason. <laughs> I think I think Captain America and Bucky Barnes or Captain America and the White Wolf would have been a, a fulfilling uh change for both characters uh, but yeah uh okay i want to we're gonna run through the episode though starting with the suit the suit reveal aaron said it it was awesome i mean i'm not gonna lie when i first saw the suit i was like this this might be a little cheesy this might <laughs> like it's how is this gonna and it, I, it's so comics accurate that i thought it could end up looking a little cheesy but then i, I mean instantly like as soon as he started moving in it i was sold i was on board like i, I loved it uh and I also like the what he says. I'm Captain America to throw like a, a little. I thought Captain America was on the moon. <laughs> like I was like, first of all, did this guy think he was Steve Rogers? I, did that guy <laughs> like? Okay, all right. We need to talk about that. That he looked at Sam Wilson and thought, "Well, you, what? I, you're back? Like what? <laughs> okay, all right. What? But yeah, I mean, I, I love the suit. I love the helicopter stuff. Yeah. Uh, did anybody want to? That's that suit. It's it's the first like it first appeared in uh, what Captain America twenty five right? Mm-hmm. Like it looked just like it. I mean, yeah. do you think? Hold it up. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. For the class. <laughs> I'm trying to find the uh, the issue the page. Yeah, there it is. So that's that. I mean, oh yeah, yep. Like that's about as accurate as you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. I love this trend. Like MCU costumes have always looked like some modicum of comic accurate, but I love how in Phase Four we are just going for it. Like between like Sam's suit and the US agent suit later on in the episode, it's like, this is ripped straight from the comics and you are not like trying to modernize it or trying to militarize it, it just is. And like between that and Wanda's costume, I'm just like, this This needs to be the new gold standard for everything in phase four of just like the most comic accurate costume possible because now I know they can do that, so. Yeah, I think they've earned that. I think uh, at this point, it's like Marvel knows if the suit is high quality, we're going to accept it. They had yeah. us, the biggest movie of all time was about a big giant purple <laughs> asshole, like just getting chased through the galaxy. They could do anything now. They earned it. I think if you did this 10 years ago, people might be like, nah, I don't know if I can, I can buy into that. But now people are so bought into Marvel and accepting what they, they put out that uh, it works. Uh, Bucky, Bucky was much more powerful in this episode than he was in the first fight against John Walker. And I think that that is because mentally he's a bit more free uh i think he's he's moved on thanks to the conversations he had with with sam and i think he maybe is not holding back out of fear of becoming the winter soldier anymore i think he was more powerful and i love that um he also went back and told mr nakajima that he killed his son and i thought i expected a more emotional moment but it happened so fast that I didn't really get to get emotional. Jenna, what did you think of that? I, I thought it was well done. Like, I agree. I expected them to lay it on a little bit harder, but I feel like we've already dealt so heavily with Bucky's internal trauma and the guilt that he feels. Like, that has been kind of his through line through the entire series. And so we kind of were able to fill in the gaps once that scene ended and then when he sees him in the restaurant later on of, like, we can kind of put two and two together of how they got there. It just isn't, like, said out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, okay, let's talk about John Walker. Like, I, I, and this is going to get the comment section fired up. So I'm opening my comment section browser here because I want to <laughs> see what everybody's saying about John Walker. Uh, are we supposed to like this guy? Like, just like that? Because if I, I don't want anybody to forget 
Just like 10 minutes ago, this dude was bludgeoning a dude with the Captain America shield. He was fighting Sam and Bucky. Mm-hmm. He was Mr. White Privilege in the in the Supreme Court or wherever he was. And then all of a sudden, he makes the pick between kill Flag Smashers or save a van full of people. And he chooses to save the van. And we're like, oh, well, all is forgiven. No. No. Jamie, where are you at on John Walker? I'm just interested. I'm I'm definitely like they've got me on the hook. Um, and I'm just I'm excited that we're gonna get more Wyatt Russell. Um, am I excited we're gonna get more John Walker? TBD. Um, don't <laughs> like him yet. Um, but um, I watched a lot of Goldie movies this week, and it's just gotten me like hyped for the legacy of the Curtin Goldie legacy uh, is living on. And I'm and I'm just I'm excited to see where this is going. I'm excited to watch him work uh, with Julie Louis Dreyfus. Um, whether or not we're supposed to like him. I think that we're all confused on purpose about that question, which I think is kind of fun. Aaron, what do you think of John Walker? It's so complicated because, like, you can't shake you can't shake him murdering that dude on camera in 4K. Like, it's 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 so like oh uh, like so bad. Um, but there are redeemable parts, I suppose, because like choosing having the Spider-Man dilemma of chase the bad guy or save these people in this car. And he chooses the car shows that he there might be some redeemable qualities to him. And, you know, I think they're setting it up. So when he shows up in whatever Captain America movie comes next or the series, when him and Anthony Mackie are on other opposite sides, you're going to be conflicted about who you're supposed to be cheering for as they're fighting. Kind of like how you didn't know who you were supposed to be cheering for with Bucky and uh, Steve fighting in Winter Soldier. So I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be weird. I, I, I'm sitting there in the background like, oh, my goodness. Are we really doing this? As it was going on, I'm like, yes, we're doing this. <laughs> this just lit up the comment section on Twitch. <laughs> Everybody on Twitch, make sure you're following the channel because we do this every Friday. I hope you're uh, – I see some new names here and a lot of regulars. I see Joanna as F, A-S-F. I like, I like to imagine your name is Joanna as – like you're really emphasizing that you are Joanna. Uh, I hate him still, but he's already getting more interesting. That's that's fair. Uh, Hufflepuff Carol says y'all forgave Zemo just as easy. Just saying, yeah, that's because Zemo's like at least a little cultured. Like you know, <laughs> well, he's Zemo's, funny. It, it helps when he makes you laugh. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. John Walker just makes me cringe. You know what I mean? My uh, thing was like they they really quickly. It was like oh, Bucky is just kind of chummy with him. Like all of a sudden, it's like they go from wanting to beat the crap out of each other last episode to like he's making fun of him for quoting Abraham Lincoln. And I'm like, I feel like I missed something here because how did we get to this point to where like Bucky and Sam aren't just wanting to immediately confront Walker like they have been for the entire series? Yeah, I mean, I think that this would have episode this this would have benefited from an extra episode. Yeah. To flesh out these these this last episode could have been two episodes, I think, and parts of the last episode could have been part of this to make it. Uh, it's almost like the, it's it's not as bad, not nearly as bad, but it's almost like the da- the Daenerys Targaryen turn in Game of Thrones, where it happened too quickly, and yeah. you knew this was going to happen, so like you don't really hold it against it too strongly, but also it would have benefited from being fleshed out more. It's not nearly as extreme and fast as that was, but I feel like it's uh, similar in that, in that regard. Um, can we talk about his shield? Somebody in the comments said, can we talk about his, his wish.com Captain America shield that crumbled up just the way we thought it was going to. Uh, yeah, that, that shield uh, sucked. <laughs> he is not Captain America. That's it. That's, I don't know what else there is to say about that. You know? 
no dollar store. <laughs> she'll last like four minutes yeah 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 um do do we think that what do, what do we think val is setting up is she like starting a thunderbolts initiative is she starting like a dark avengers anybody have any thoughts on that i feel like it has to be thunderbolts i think so too yeah like and i hope so i was hoping for a thunderbolts post credit scene we didn't get mm-hmm. one but if we're getting thunderbolts can John Walker and Zemo work together? That would be really, really fun to see. Like, yeah, that is like now that we've seen both of them really explored in this show, it's like I the idea of them having to work alongside each other and like how they would butt heads in the process is like really, really fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, and that would make for a very good dynamic and an interesting uh, writing opportunity, I think. But Zemo hates super soldiers. I think Zemo particularly would hate John Walker, the super soldier. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. But the U.S. agent suit, honestly, it looks great. Mm-hmm. It's super comics accurate. So that was that was cool. Who was the guy in the car, says Brax Sandez? That was Zemo's Alfred, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was like Zemo's, I, I don't know that character's name. Uh, does he have a name? Zemo's Alfred works. <laughs> yeah, we all know what you I mean. Don't, I don't think yeah. we were told his name. I could be ha- wrong, but yeah. Hashtag Zemo's Alfred. Um, now let's talk about Carly Morgenthau. I, I I just didn't really find myself that invested in Carly's story. Uh, I, I was just so much more invested in the John Walker Captain America feud that I felt like Carly's story kind of got o- overshadowed by some of that, and then it came out really quickly in this finale. And then before we know it, she was dead. And I, I, I do want to shout out, I do like that Sam refused to fight her, which reminded me of when Steve refused to fight Bucky as the Winter Soldier. I think that the parallels between Steve and Sam were really cool throughout the series. But like, I mean, Aaron, what do you think of uh, the Carly Morgenthau of it all? Did you want more from that? Did, were you satisfied with this story? Um, I, I do like the, the choice to not have him fight her um, in, the, in their final confrontation. Like Sam stayed true to like what he believed in the entire time, which is like, she's just a kid. She's misguided. I, I, I think her heart's in the, like, you know, in the right place, but she's going about it the wrong way. Um, and it was weird to see her, like, I mean, some people probably would say that her turn to like killing more and more people and then sacrificing her own people is like out of character. But I guess, you know, when you meet, how old is she supposed to be? She's not that much older than like a teenager, right? Yeah. Like he's, they make bad decisions and she made a lot of bad decisions in a very, very short order of time. And, you know, she did, she ended up accomplishing her goal. Weirdly enough, like Sam talking to the senators ended up making it so they didn't just deport everybody from the different nations. But it was like, like I think Brandon said, like you, you really wanted it to be more uh, Sam and Bucky fighting Walker at the end would have probably provided a little more catharsis for the audience than this other, than this other force. But you know, she got what she wanted in the end, I suppose. Although everybody she knew is like, all her like main crew is dead. Everybody dead. They're all gone. They're, They're all gone. gone. Z- Zemo got the last laugh. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, I'll always wonder, because there's a rumor online, and I don't know if this is true, but it's a rumor that goes around online. This isn't coming from me. I've seen this online. I'm not giving you new information. I gathered this off Twitter and other media websites, that there was like a pandemic story involved with the show. And they removed a lot of that, obviously, because we're in a pandemic and a lot of stuff was reshot. And I really wonder how much Carly's story may have been changed or removed or something as a result of if this is true, 
removing whatever the pandemic story of it all was. Uh, and I know they'll never that you know they keep such a tight lip on, on, on all those kind of stories, especially things that big. I don't think they'll ever really, if this was true, share that. But I would love to hear that because I, I would love to hear what the very original, like the fully realized original versions of both WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier would have been if they weren't affected by shutdowns and alterations to their stories and stuff like that but from shooting during COVID. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe it had a huge impact. Maybe it had a very small impact. But if that turned out to be true, but yeah. I, I want to say about Carly, I, I liked Carly's journey, um, uh, and I agree there was some stuff that could have been done better, but I think it's kind of funny that in the end, all it took was somebody in, like, this flashy new Captain America suit to give, like, a rousing speech and, like, <laughs> well, I accomplished what Carly's been trying to do, like, and I just, I, I, although Sam's speech was powerful and stuff, I do find it a little unbelievable that a man is going to stand there and, and say some words to politicians and all of a sudden they're like, yep, we're convinced. Uh, we're changing our minds. Um, I feel like if Carly was alive, she'd be like, really? That's all you had to do? <laughs> See, that's my thing too, is that like she spent the entire episode being like, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I die. I just want to get my plan out there. And it's like, I almost would have liked it better if th she had said that and then she had lived. And then like we kind of see her character arc of like, what does that look like if you survived your kind of grandmaster plan and now have to face the consequences? And like, I never fully saw her as a villain. I really just saw her as an antagonist. But like, by and large, the entire series, I kind of agreed with the mindset that she had. And so to see her just definitively die at the end of it while John Walker the epitome of white male entitlement gets to have this redemption arc and gets to go on this whole journey it was like oh I wanted that for Carly too I wanted to see what her kind of end game would have been I wanted more Aaron Kellerman too yeah you know but uh yeah so I, I feel like it, that that Carly Morgenthau story is was was kind didn't have a satisfying end for me uh not totally satisfying I guess Aaron, go ahead. Also, like, she's Sharon's fault, too. <laughs> she's completely Sharon's fault, like, which is wild. I, like, I completely glossed over to, like, right now, but, like, yeah, like, she's like, you worked for me. And I'm like, Sharon, how many people have you ruined over the course of, like, these last six episodes? Like, what happened? What, what's yeah. going on? Who hurt you and why was it Steve Rogers? Who's going to do the Agatha All Along remix all about Sharon Carter? I feel it like was Sharon Carter all along. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're going to talk about Sharon in a bit. But yeah, she she got my man Batroc killed. She got she got Car she turned Carly to the dark man. Uh, I, I do, we were in New York City for so much of this episode. Not one shot of Avengers Tower. <laughs> Not one shot of anything MCU related in that New York City skyline. Are you kidding me? Also, did anybody sit there and think like, where's Spider-Man? Where's Doctor Strange? Where's the Daily Bugle? A anything like that? Because I was thinking it. I was definitely thinking it. Maybe they're just, just like they're taking the night off. They're just like, this is your thing. We're just gonna we're just gonna watch some Netflix and not really deal with it right now. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, that, I would have even just liked to see like a, a, a wanted poster for Peter Parker or something. But this could have been before that, which raises the question of why didn't Spider-Man come help? But anyway, I, also, one, uh, one thing I did want to point out, I forgot to mention this earlier, in that Carly Morgenthau showdown that was underground, it kind of reminded me of that Sam Wilson Captain America book where he goes underground and finds all those kids and they like they're 
they're fighting, they're fighting Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Like Scarecrow's kind of holding people hostage underground. Kind of gave me vibes of that. Probably totally unrelated, but I thought that was, uh, it kind of gave me that vibe. Uh, now I want to talk about Isaiah Bradley. Best part of the episode for me was the Isaiah Bradley statue. I thought like they said we were going to cry in this episode. I don't know if I'll be able to watch that scene. I have to watch this, this episode a bunch more times for it to not get me choked up. I thought that was really powerful. And I, uh, and before I hand this over to our Isaiah expert, uh, Aaron, I do want to say that the, the, when, when Isaiah said the fight you're taking on ain't going to be easy, Sam, like that, I see such a double meaning to that. Cause a, he's saying that to Sam Wilson in, in trying to convince like the MCU's world to accept him as a black captain America. But I feel like he's also saying that to Anthony Mackie because Anthony Mackie is going to have to deal with this crap. Like there's going to be just stuff online that we're going to block out in our comment section. It's not welcome here. Like, but it's going to be out there. Like Simu Liu just posted on his Instagram story. I think last night or this morning that the Shang-Chi trailer release was the best week of his life, but also showed him the worst corners of social media. And like, you just, having these like diverse representation moments and continuing them and building this legacy and building these characters this is going to be awesome. And everybody who has a problem with it is just going to have to take it. And I love that. They're just going to like, they're going to build awesome characters and awesome stories. And people are just going to have to shut up and learn to put that shit away. We're not, we're not having that uh, anymore. So, but I, I do love that line from Isaiah Bradley. And uh, I'm really happy for Anthony Mackey that he got this. And that's, I just, I, that's it. I, Aaron, I want you to talk about Isaiah Bradley though. Cause you, I, to tell us about your thoughts on this story, how it compares to Isaiah's comics uh, and, and the kind of the, the the way the statue I think is kind of similar to what Steve Rogers does for for it's kind of like the MCU's version. Um, well, I, I think when they first discussed having him in the show, I was very very like excited, but also kind of afraid because it's it's a really heavy thing to take on in in any in anything. This would have been heavy for a movie to take on. This this would have been the first thing out at Disney Plus without the pandemic. I was really kind of intrigued to see how they handled it. And I think that they did within the parameters about as well as they could possibly do with, with my man's story. Um, as far as the ending is concerned, um, it does mirror the last issue of Truth, Red, White, and Black very, very closely, where you know Steve Rogers finally goes and visits him in his house. And he sees that there's this like wall, like a gallery wall of pictures of Isaiah with all these different entertainers and politicians and all these other people who have gone to meet him, but he's still this large secret. And it's sort of acknowledged that I can't give you back the years that you lost or your friends that have died or all this sacri- the stuff that you sacrificed to become like, you know, to help all of us without anybody knowing who you are. But I can do this little thing. I can do one thing to let you know that you're appreciated and that what you did mattered. And that what you what you sacrifice is not going to be in vain. And flipping that to the experience of a black character is very interesting, especially one that's going to th- like you know that's going to carry on your legacy, whether textually or not, because people did, still didn't know that much about him. Is really really powerful because you can't really you can't really say you're sorry. You know, there's no there's no real apology that would would fill for Isaiah Bradley. You know, his wife is gone. You know. Everybody he knew is gone except for his grandson. And, you know, he's going to have to move to life. But he does get that one last win of I'm in the Smithsonian right here next to Captain America. And it's funny, too, because with statues, it captures you in a moment of time, right? He's always going to be that strong, young, 
more idealistic version of himself in that in that memorial inside the museum. So it's wonderful. I, I can't say enough about Carl Umbley's uh, portrayal of him and how they balance both like the sort of weird like joy and pain that could come with that sort of like you know existence or that sort of experience because he's still cracking jokes on Sam. He's like, ah, you know, you, you look good, but also you know that this is still gonna be hard. And also, you know, I know I told you not to do this, but I'm gonna begrudgingly accept it because you're doing the right thing. And I would have done the right thing too, even though he's sort of crusty about it. So uh, just very, very good. I thought it was really well done. Um, and hopefully we see Eli. I hope we see him again, because I hope he's not there for no reason. <laughs> Please, Young Avengers, Young Avengers, bring him on. Please bring him on. Do you think that that statue was an actual statue, and did Carl get to keep it? Is, is what I want to know. <laughs> is this in his living room now? Yes. If, I, if, I would, if I was him, I would have asked the prop department, hey, what are y'all doing with the statue after this is over with? I, I yeah. love that. You know they had to make more than one. There's no way they had just one, you know, just in case. You know, you can't have one break on the day and not have a, a spare, so... Maybe Carl Lovely has an Isaiah Bradley statue in his house. That would be He awesome. deserves it. I hope yeah. he does. Yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, that that to me was the emotional landing of the show. That was that was the message of the show landing. The, that was the bookend, and then everything after that was extra. So I, I, I love that, though. Um, well, before we get to Sharon Carter, we're going to talk about Zemo really quickly. The Wakandans put him on the raft. They said they were going to do that. That's still a surprising move to me. I didn't really think about it until I saw him on the raft. I feel like Wakanda would want its own justice with Zemo. They'd want to like kind of have him or something, I, based on what I've seen from them, uh, I guess, in Black Panther. But uh, he's on the raft, which seems like a like there has to be a reason for that. I, I, I imagine the heavy lifting of setting up a Thunderbolt and pulling Zemo out of Wakanda is like, you know, you can't really craft that story. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I had. I, I thought that was it just, it hit me that that was kind of a, a, an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, <laughs> may, may, maybe least, <laughs> Sharon Carter is the power broker, which wasn't a surprise. So I just didn't care. <laughs> like, I just, I, like, I, she had the face tech from the Winter Soldier, which was cool, and I know that was used in Agents of Shield as well. I know Jamie was well, Jamie. Uh, were you gonna Were you gonna mention <laughs> that? Agent Thirty Three. I thought that was a fun little connection. <laughs> yeah, maybe Agent Thirteen is. Uh, you know, they're, they're all in the, the secret agent school. All the numbers. So, I mean, like she brutally killed a dude with like that that acid air. I like, know that was that his, was dark. Yeah, made him look like Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, it's like she 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 got Betroka killed. She got Carly killed. She, what is she, you know who burned her so badly that she went on to become this Madripoor powerhouse? I don't know. It's it's such a weird turn that maybe they'll if they explain it, we'll care more. But right now, and also maybe because this episode had so much going on that I didn't have time to really care about this reveal of Sharon as the power broker, but. uh that to, uh, and maybe, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about this. Jamie, 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 <laughs> J Jamie, number one, Sharon, anti pre. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Jamie, what do you, what, come on, go ahead. So 
Okay, after episode three, I was like, all right, Sharon Carter, let's see where it's at. And on paper, I love the idea of this goody-goody government girl getting burned by her country, getting slighted by a man who then goes and dates her aunt. Um, <laughs> I believe that a woman who has gone through those things would snap and would turn on her government who didn't do anything for her. And and on paper, what a cool idea. But they just cannot give her anything to do on screen. They have given us nothing to get us excited for for bad Sharon Carter and people are like maybe she's a scroll whatever I would rather see her no this is Sharon Carter and she she uh she snapped I think that's a cool idea but just like where's the execution uh I mean I want to I want to give me one scene where where I believe that this woman who um you know 10 years ago in the middle of of um shield headquarters fought against half of the people to support steve and to support what she believed in and america and uh and i just have not buying this gap yet and it's frustrating because i want to i want to like this uh but it's just it's like okay she's the power broker I, I think that's like the problem, like the bigger problem of the episode is like, I feel like she and John Walker could have both been a little bit more unhinged. It's like, we we're supposed to believe that like they have turned to the dark side and they're kind of like loose cannons, but we don't really see that in a way that is actually meaningful, especially juxtaposed with the Walker scene at the end of episode four. And so like, for me with Sharon, it's just like, I, I also think it's the problem of, we don't know where most of these characters are gonna be next. Like with WandaVision, we knew like, okay, Wanda's gonna go here, Monica's gonna go here so that way their arcs like it made sense where their endpoints of their arcs were but it's like we don't know what it the like long-term plan is for Sharon Carter so her just being in the government now and being shady it's like okay cool but I don't know where we're gonna see that yeah yeah and that that may have made it more interesting because we would have been looking at it through that lens but what with what we have it just didn't uh it didn't have a, the payoff that such a twist I think should have had so it's it's hopeful. I think Jamie broke it down the best. She put the best words to it that there is so much potential. They just don't know what to do with Sharon Carter to make her interesting. And I mean, I'm I'm, I'm thrilled for Emily Van Camp to hopefully get a good story here because she's been in this role for how long and hasn't really had a moment to shine. Aaron, what what, what, what do you think? I was just gonna ask, like, do you think she shows up in Armor Wars or Secret Invasion first? Oh. I was going to say, okay. I think Armor Wars is the next big follow-up to this. I think that that could be the place we see Sam Wilson again as well. Okay. I could but. think, because like Rhodey was in the beginning of it, and like that was like something that just happened, and like kind of seems like it was just kind of cast off. But like I, they have to pay it off at some point. They have to give her something to do. I almost feel like instead of John Walker, she should be the antagonist of Captain America 4 or whatever. Cause like, yeah. you have to be able to give her something else to do. Cause I was like, really? Like, I don't know. It, it just felt a little bit weird. I'm with Jamie. I was like, oh man, that turned really quickly. Think about how cool she was. Like, was it episode three? Mm -hmm. She's so cool. And then like all the air goes out of the balloon over a short amount of time. Also, BDL was like mercury gas or something. Like yeah, mercury uh, vapor. Mercury vapor, yeah. Very, very bad for humans. Not not good for humans. <laughs> yeah, bad for your skin. Certainly not great for skincare routines. So everybody's asking who she's who she called in the comments right now. I I, I can't even venture a guess who she called. Uh, unless this is like a Trevor Slattery situation where there's a real power broker and she's not the real power broker. 
But I, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't know. I see casually cosplaying in the comments just now. So maybe she's calling Norman Osborn, Yelena Belova. I, uh, I don't know. I don't even want to start that conversation because <laughs> it's impossible. There's a, there's endless possibilities. Uh, but if if Sharon as Power Broker is going to be the main villain of anything, they have some lifting to do. They, they need to make they need to make her matter. The writers, whoever takes on that character, they need to give Emily Van Camp more stuff to do, just like she did in episode three of this show. She was awesome. And then this, like Aaron said, deflated that balloon a bit, at least for me. Uh, anyway, uh, so listen, we're gonna. I want to end the show with some predictions on where we'll see people next, like we just did with Sharon. In the comment section, if you have some questions, get them in there now. We'll answer those as soon as we're done with this little bit of the show here. Uh, but yeah, I, I genuinely, I think Armor Wars is the next big one uh, that we would see any of these characters in. Bucky could be in Black Panther too, but they did tell him to make himself scarce in Wakanda. So that's pretty much where I'm at. I think Black Panther 2 and, and Armor Wars are the two places that fit and Secret Invasion because that, you know, uh, Nick Fury, Captain America, maybe. Uh, that's my thought. But uh, but yeah, Aaron, where do you think we'll see some of these characters again? Um, I think that Armor Wars is a pretty safe bet. Although I would like, after all the ripping of Tom Holland in the press between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, I would like them to pop up in like Spider-Man for at least a couple seconds, just to joke and reference like how they always give Tom a hard time. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. So I think everyone um, else is in the movie. Why not? That exactly. is real. Like you have everybody. Wanda could show up. Everybody could be in it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, I get so I excited at that idea. I heard <laughs> <myself>. <laughs> Jamie, you're on, you're on the big screen now. Where, where do you think we'll see these? People oh my gosh! I, you know, when it comes to this stuff, I have no freaking clue. Um, I am along for the ride. Um, all all that matters is that. I really want to see Julia Wee Dreyfus. I hope she's still in Black Widow. That's like the closest thing I that I can think of, like front of mind. Um, but I don't have any any larger theories uh, than that. Sorry, <laughs> Jenna. Jenna, I know I put everybody on the spot. This wasn't no, this wasn't no, no, in the no. show rundown. This is this is a, I, this is a curveball. Part of me just hopes that like they wanted this show to get out, and then they're going to announce a Captain America movie. Like I feel like if if the pandemic hadn't happened and we got this show last August, like we were supposed to, that might have been a thing at like Investor Day for Disney. So I would just like ideally in my mind, it's like you just do a proper Captain America movie with Sam and everyone else have them turn into bolts somewhere or other. Yeah, I, I think a Captain America movie with Sam could be very interesting, uh, and. and- very successful. So I would love to see that. And maybe they announce it. But we all kind of seem to be going into these shows expecting like a Book of Boba Fett announcement at the end. But I don't <laughs> think those are going to be happening. Like, I don't no. think that's good. I think Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios are operating so differently that you can't even compare or ex- make expectations from one to the other. I really thought the, the what you have on your background, Mr. No Spoilers, but had that in the background the whole time. Um, <laughs> I know. I really thought that it was going to say we'll return uh, at the too. end of that. And I was I was like a little bummed. We haven't had a will return. Like, I want, I want some will returns. That's so Infinity Saga. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> will return? We don't do that anymore. Uh, casually cosplaying with a good question here. Would you rather... Avengers Tower become Oscorp or the Baxter Building? I say the Baxter Building. I agree. Baxter Building. They already teased it with the numbers, right? Yeah. They did. 
They did. One, two, three. Wait till you see what's next. Four. Four. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, Danu the Danu, Danu the pug. We have a pug in the chat. Was Falcon wearing vibranium in his new suit? I like to think so. That would mean he could be like John Wick and just have bullets deflected off of him. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> can we talk indigo 15 brandon moore uh can we talk about bucky playing with sam's nephews at the end he has a family now yeah oh, that was cute he's a family moment. with his husband and his, and his <laughs> exactly. it was so domestic i loved when like bucky rolled up with the sunglasses and the cake that he probably bought at like a kroger or whatever like he was just living his best life like that that whole scene was just so great Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. Zelda in the comments is talking about the sunset, and uh, it was the only time this episode when they both like looked up together that I shouted "kiss" at the screen. Normally, <laughs> I shout "kiss" at the screen a lot more, but that was the like I will say this episode did not have as many undertones as the last one did, but they did give me a little a little piece, a little nugget at the end there. Yeah, I was expecting your review to be more like a lot of punching, not enough kissing. <laughs> Yeah. At least there was no Bucky Sharon because from the trailers, I was really worried they were going to put Bucky and Sharon together, uh, and I would have hated that. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. Uh, that would have been weird. That would have been no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, uh, so this one comes from Bun from the G. What's what are you guys going to be talking about for the rest of the podcast after this? week well we're going to be playing games we're going to be talking about the mcu news we're going to be bringing fans on the show to talk live and next week i don't know yet but i have put out the request to get malcolm spellman and or kari skogland skogland on the show to talk about the falcon of the winter soldier malcolm spellman was the head writer kari skogland was the director and if they are available we are thinking they're going to be live on the show just like matt shackman was after wandavision so we're going to talk about all that. Uh, all our questions are going to be answered because for when you get somebody for an hour, you get to talk a lot. You get to talk a lot. So, And also, I, I reached out to Catherine Hahn's people, too. I haven't heard back. I know Jamie wants to have uh, <laughs> Agatha Harkness on the show. But More we'll than see, anything. We'll see if we make that happen. We'll see if we make that happen. Loki is seven weeks away. Oh, Indigo 15, your interview. Um, this is This is not me. Flexing, I wanted to point out. I forgot to mention this. Your interview with Danny Ramirez was fantastic, by the way. Thank you for the compliment. I want to shout out Danny Ramirez. He was such an awesome interview. Now the whole world has a crush on him that they've seen him as himself. And Torres is totally fixing those wings and becoming Captain America. There's no way he's not. How did I skip over this in this episode? Torres got the wings last week. And there was no sign of it when he was in the military base in this episode. But I like to think he paused fixing the wings just to watch Sam's speech on the news. Anybody? Anybody? I agree. Yeah. 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 Evans Larson's get Tom Hiddleston on the show. Listen, Loki is <laughs> yeah. uh, Loki's going to happen. I'm sure we'll have a Tom Hiddleston interview one way or another, hopefully. Uh, so, mm. I don't know. I'm just so excited for Loki. I mean, uh, Wanda's my favorite lady and Loki's my favorite man. And like I said, Marvel just is, it's like the Jamie Jarek hour. How much can they please (laughs) me? uh, Is like, it's like a new game. 
Yeah, when I said uh, when I said that I reached out to Catherine Ha and Jamie uh, in one of our behind the scenes moments was like, you know, I'm on that show. And I was like, <laughs> I, was like yeah, I will never oh. speak to you again if I don't get to be on that show. <laughs> oh, I would I would just see myself out. I would just I would just be like, I failed you, Jamie. I could never. Uh, but listen, honestly, everybody, thank you for a fantastic run. If you're watching us on Twitch tv slash comic book please follow the channel make sure you're following the channel because we also have comic book nation and wild podcast has appeared in occasionally some video games whatever else we feel like twitch streaming uh you don't want to miss any of that we have some cool stuff on the channel uh and if you're listening to us on apple leave a five-star review please because we deserve a five-star review we're the best show ever and if you're listening to us on spotify you know share the links with your friends we appreciate it i will retweet anybody who, who sends links to the Apple and the Spotify thing. I am trying to get these numbers up, get everybody listening so that Marvel's like, yo, we got to put everybody on that show. Everybody <laughs> listens to Phase Zero. We got to send everybody if we want everybody to watch our stuff. So, uh, listen, we appreciate the support uh, all along the way. So thank you all very much for, for joining us for 15 weeks of Phase Zero already. Wow, wow. And seven weeks from now, we'll be in week 22, breaking down Loki. So that's very exciting. Hard to believe this is already over. Jamie? Falcon of the Winter Soldier era is over. Any parting words? No, um, just thank you all for giving me Julie Louis Dreyfus. And uh, like last week, I'm on Letterboxd now and I'm really obsessed with it. So follow me on Letterboxd. <laughs> when are, are you ever returning to Twitter? I hope not. I mean, you know, I've, <laughs> you know, Sunday is going to be my real test because I don't think in the last 10 years I have ever not live tweeted the Oscars. Wow. I've, and so... Um, not live tweeting the Oscars. If I can make that, then I think I can never get back to Twitter again and I'll be really a happy person. We'll see. Kicked it. Kicked it. Cold turkey. Congratulations. Good. Congrats on your mental health. <laughs> Thank you. It's so much. It's it's truly better. I can't. I'm not kidding. It is. It is better. I'm t- so. It's, uh, I'll say that I open Twitter and I love to I love the people on Twitter. We have awesome followers and fans and everything. But you get 100 messages of people being nice and then it's always the one. That it's like, you suck. You shouldn't have said this about Sharon Carter. You should die. And that's the one that I remember. And I'm like, well, I hate this place. Yeah, it's anyway. mean. Yeah, it's very, it's not a friendly place. Uh, Jenna, any, any, anything to wrap up our Falcon and Winter Soldier era of Phase Zero? Um, this has just been amazing. This is so much fun. I hope this is not the last time I'm on here because this has just been so great. Um, I have not been able to break my Twitter addiction. I wish I could. I wish I was in Jamie's position, but Twitter is just a, a time suck in my life that I cannot get rid of yet. So if you want to follow me there, you can go to at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn and basically look up that username, Instagram, anywhere else probably will find me. So love it. Uh, Aunt Zelda in the comments said, I miss Jamie on Twitter, not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jenna, you will absolutely. <laughs> uh, Jamie, Jenna, you, got, you will both absolutely be back on the show. I hope uh, you will join us. And Aaron, any any uh, any farewell you would like to bid to the Falcon and Winter Soldier era? Uh, it was a lot of fun. I had, I had a great time coming through and, and talking with you guys. And hopefully I'll be back too. Uh, it's at Summer Lake Hornet on Twitter. Um, I, I'll be tweeting out uh, Joel Santana memes of him and all full dressed up like an American flag for the rest of the day. And uh, I too miss Jamie on Twitter because oh. Midnight WandaVision memes was a moment. <laughs> I was like, she came out of retirement? Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta go over here and see what's going on. So love you guys. Hopefully we'll see you guys again. 
Jamie will be back for Doctor Strange 2 when Wanda is when there's new Wanda content. There's no way Jamie will resist the new Wanda memes and content. There is no way. Someone and needs we'll to make see. a graphic of like Jamie Cinematics will return. <laughs> that's You're killing you me. That's what you, that should be your one tweet until you return. You should do Jamie Cinematics. Will return. <laughs> but never don't say where. We don't say yeah. where anymore. Uh, but no, seriously, all three of you, I can't thank you enough for an awesome, awesome run here. The Fantastic Four assembled on Phase Zero. This was super fun, and you're all just awesome to have on here. So thank you for, for making the show better. All right, we'll be back next week, though. This is the end of Phase Zero. We're talking like this is the end of Phase Zero. We'll be back next week, uh, and, and we're going to figure out who's going to be on the show. Hopefully, we have an awesome special guest. We're going to play games. We're going to invite fans. We're going to have a good time. Phase Zero is still just growing, and we're going to make this the best show ever. We're going to get the fans excited. We're going to introduce you to some of your heroes. Hopefully, I'm still figuring out how to do that, but it's a promise. I promise to fulfill. And if you want to talk more, hit me up at Brandon Davis BD on all social media platforms. Head over to comicbook.com slash Marvel. Subscribe to our Twitch channel. Tell your friends to subscribe to our podcast. We're going to make the most of these next seven weeks until Loki begins. That's our show. I'm done rambling. It wouldn't be the end of the show if I didn't ramble. <laughs> Love you 3000. <laughs>